cast me into the rift, and Cupid dove in behind me to try and rescue me. When I came to, it was in this ding-dang crystal prison. I've made it a bit comfier over the timeless aeons, but I've never been able to escape. So, to answer your question, that's the deal with the orb. Oh, you've got something new written on your cue card there. Sorry, I can't hear you. You just... You let me talk all that time and you couldn't hear me? Oh, and your card... Oh, what does it say now? You look mad. Should I go? <sighs> no, no, don't go. I just... I wish... You should have told me sooner. And you can't hear me. Y yes, yes, I can see you pointing at your big pressure suit helmet and shaking your head. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, I am I am pointing here at the ground and here and giving a big thumbs up. I, I hope you get that. That means to stay. I am just going to start my podcast while I figure out how to talk to you. Okay? Okay. <sighs> Cupid, cue up the theme song. Hello. You must be looking for love. This is Wizard Seeking Wizard. Welcome back to Wizard Seeking Wizard, the dating show for wizards by wizards. I'm your host, Chemistro the Matchmage, and with me, as always, is my friend and familiar, Cupid the Hawk. Last episode, as you may recall, I had a visitor to my little crystal orb out here in the middle of the sea of nothingness. I'd love to talk with them, but while I can read their cue cards, they cannot hear me, which makes sense. Now that I think about it, seeing as they are floating out there outside the orb and I'm stuck here inside of it. So, while I work out how to talk with them through that thick Victorian-style diving suit they're wearing, let's start that potion of notions, that fizzle of whizzle, that cornucopia of phantasmagoria, where you get to vote on who dates who, the one and only wizard-seeking wizard! This episode, we'll be looking at wizards who are trying to find themselves a collaborator. Uh, what's that I hear you say? Collaborators aren't something you need to go on a dating show for. Pshaw! Pshaw and pshoo to that. We all should know all too well the delight of a meeting of the minds, of working together with those who we can find common grounds to achieve something greater. There's a reason that wizards naturally form colleges, and it's not just because hierarchical academia gives us a structure within which to show off. No! One wizard may move the world with their little magic fingertips, but two, together, may shake it. And uh, perhaps in watching their personal ads, I might remind myself how to collaborate with someone, since I probably need it. What with the tremendous... Crushing, maddening isolation. <laughs> oh, 
what? I'm going to break with tradition and jump straight into our spell of the week. I know it's unorthodox, but I need to talk to this wizard or I'm going to lose it. Even more so than when I tried to teach the chair to play checkers. It's nothing personal, chair. You just literally can't talk and are plotting to eat me one day. He's going to sulk about that. Well, no use crying over spilled chairs. Let's jump into our spell of the week. Now, I need to communicate with my visitor out there. We can see each other, but we can't hear each other, and I don't want to keep miming things out. Or keep reading out their cue cards so that you know what they're saying. Some wizards would say that I should open up a telepathic link, but if I do that, A, you can't hear it, and B, I could go stark raving mad from the attempt. So, I need another solution. Let's see. Whispering wind. No, there's no air out there. Oh, Prospero's imp. <sighs> the imp never wears a loincloth, and I am not in that headspace right now. Fizzbo's talking bubble. Too fragile. The tremendous heliograph. Too bright. Ah, here we go. Morpheus's watching book. Perfecto. For this spell, you'll need a ramekin of eye sparkles, a sprinkling of filibuster, about 15 milligrams of my own earwax, and the tail feather of a sentient bird. Cupid, I need a favor. Fine. Yes, you can have my bacon tomorrow. Thank you. Next, you'll need to sacrifice your favorite combination of word and image. For me, that's this poster of Merlin at his cauldron that says the secret ingredient is you. Of course, they had to add a lengthy disclaimer at the bottom after too many wizards took it literally, and well, let's just say there's a lot of potions out there that are 90% wizard. They don't even work. Dark days. Well, goodbye, old friend. There. Now you'll need to get out your wand and draw a face on your book with it. You'll need ears, eyes, and a mouth. You can add a nose if you want, but it's not strictly necessary. Unless you communicate by smell, like Fartulon the Flatificent. And finally, the incantation. Repeat after me. All right, book buddy. Wakey, wakey. Hey there, little fellow. Are you ready to help me talk to a stranger? Talk? Ah, I mean, <clears throat> yes. Let's talk to the visitor. Talk! So, you just say the words you see, okay? And you display the words I say, all right? Now let's test you out. I love you, Daddy. Oh, that's, uh... That's complicated. Uh, how about you write this for Daddy, okay? <clears throat> Show your cue card to the book. It'll tell me what you wrote. And there you go. Good job, little guy. Look... Nice man has a card for you to read. That's super creepy. 
Oh, you only think it's creepy because it's a terrifying mockery of life. You got me there. So, what's with the orb? I'll explain everything in a moment. Hold your cue cards while I get the show rolling. This first ad popped through a magical portal in my orb that shut before I could hurl myself through it to freedom. It comes from Minifestina Rivenwobble, who is looking for someone to help with an unexpected problem. Listen closely. I think that it's time inside a pocket dimension may have degraded the sounds just a tad. Hello. My name is Minifestina Rivenwobble, master of books of languages, creator of pocket dimensions, enchanter of tapestries. I am the owner and proprietor of the Rivenwobble Library and Book Emporium, the largest collection of books out of the library's hands. I know where every book with my premises is, at least recently, and to find any information sought by adventurous learners. I am seeking a collaborator to help me with a problem. As the creator of functions, I have practiced them night and day to be able to cast them effortlessly. It has led to me creating pocket dimensions involuntarily, sometimes in my sleep, and they keep swallowing books. One day, I'll put the 17th volume of the Necronomicon Journal of Death back on the shelf, and the next it'll be swallowed by a pocket dimension. Oh, look. There's one right now, right next to my head. I'll just leave my head in. Yep, it seems to be filled with bunnies. How adorable. Yes, some of the pocket dimensions have things in them. Some are voids, some have little homes, and some have, well, bunnies. My issue is that it's hard to prove in voids. There are thousands of pocket dimensions at this point, and I can't retrieve all of the bullets myself. Also, there's something in the pocket dimension behind the musical tapestry in the transmutation section. It keeps threatening me with bodily harm. It's horrible. Please, someone help me reclaim my books. Behind me, trapping me in here forever. Now I make a dating podcast to keep myself sane and help wizards find each other. Wow. Messed up. Right? Smoochulon really did a number on me. For sure. So, do you give advice to the guests or just play the ad? Oh, right. <laughs> Minifestina, you're not alone. All too many of us have accidentally created some kind of monster in our day. For you, that monster is the thousands of portals you opened by mistake. For me, it was an apprentice who thirsted for the very power I denied him. For a surprisingly large number of mages, it's a cobbled-together reanimated corpse that they refuse to treat with dignity, and so reveal themselves to be the true monsters. In a potent metaphor for wizards in wizardity to wizard. One time I got ambushed out here by a bunch of big angry squids. Or sometimes it's a bunch of big angry squids. I hope that we can help you with your monster and find the collaborator that you need in order to close the book on your portal problem. Nice one. Thank you. Our next personal ad showed up in my sphere inside a fun little bottle shaped like a skull with a tag on it that said, Not Poison. I assumed it was a novelty hot sauce and tried it on my dinner. But when I opened the cork, what came out wasn't delicious, spicy sauce, but a personal ad. Here. Let me pour you a drop of Vizier Mashboo the Formerly Shifty. Just got to 
Get the cork. Ah. Greetings, fellow law abiders and others worthy of trust. My name, with my title at the front, is Vizier Mashbu the Formerly Shifty. Yes, I did spend a long stint in the Sultan's dungeons for orchestrating a plot against his life. But that is my want as a vizier. And I promise, I've reformed my ways and even posed for the dungeons 200 reformed inmates under 200 calendar spread. Now I'm out in the town and ready to prove my no longer shifty status. And what better way than to settle down with a nice, respectable member of the community? Preferably one with powers I can bend to my will. I mean, interests in common with me. My interests include, of course, picnics at the park, a nice brunch, and uh, the sampling of various poisons as a couple. Uh, why, yes, I do have a penchant for concealed blades, but there's nothing shifty about that. The glint of a naked blade just oh, gives me quite a headache because I'm so delicate that way. I've also got into bulletproof coffee over a misunderstanding. Turns out it won't protect me from the live end of a Janissary's rifle, but it does make for a nice treat after my long sessions on the recumbent bicycle. If any of these interests you, inshallah the two of us can plot, I mean, divide, I mean, have a nice, unsuspicious evening together. Text me. Mashbu, I am 100% on your side. What, did he expect a vizier who wouldn't betray him? Honestly. Some people just don't understand that betrayal is a part of life for wizards. You wouldn't ask a bird not to migrate. You, you wouldn't ask a dragon not to hoard. You, you, uh, you, um, 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 um. You wouldn't ask a big angry squid thing not to ambush you in the void? Yes, exactly. How many times has that happened to you? Just once. But you remember. In any case, Mashboo, I know it's hard when a relationship ends with someone who tried to force you to change for them, but... You're out of the dungeon now. I say, good for you, dipping your toe back in the betrayal pool. Ease into it. Start small. Uh, go to leave a tip, but instead it's just a pile of buttons. Say that the dress code for a party is a country you've traveled to. I set someone up to dance with a gallant stranger, but it turns out that the stranger is just a big mean goose in a top hat. Did those things all happen to you? Just the goose one. And all the other ones. That's rough. Hey, wizards got a whiz. In any case, Mashbu, I'm glad to help you get back on the betrayal horse. And speaking of betrayals, I think it's just about time for our mid-show break. Cupid, play the ad. Do you need more sketch comedy in your life? This is a flesh-eating bacteria I stole from work. We well, stole that from the lab, did you, Mike? Yeah. Then you need Crowley time with me, Tom Crowley. With me, Tom Crowley. When did you lose your virginity? 2nd of October 1993 on a pool table. Each episode features brand new sketches, characters and songs. No time to die and no love to lose. Get the life I choose. As well as returning regular features. These are the diaries of Link Tangent, space cartographer. I'm Sir Chantley Buffingham. Hello, my name is Wingnut. All written, performed and produced by me. Tom Crowley. He may look frightening, but he's innocent. He knows not what he does. Over four hours of original sketch comedy. Available now on all good podcast apps and at CrowleyTime.com. Have you ever had constipation? No. It can be a bit like that. That's Crowley Time with me, Tom Crowley. Subscribe today. Crowley Time!
Thank you, Cupid. One day I'll figure out how those get in here, but for now, all those great shows we've featured have really helped to pass the aeons. I know how they get in. You do? How? They come in the mail. I don't get mail here. I'm in a crystal in the middle of the void. Who would even bring... Oh. Yep. But if you're a post-wizard, why haven't I seen you here before? I think I'm usually here when you're asleep or in the bathroom. Or both. Well, there was that one time. Uh, never mind. Why are you here now? There was a big burst of whiz-biz over here. I thought I should come and see if you were okay. Looks like you got it, though. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind also, of you. Also, I figured I could maybe find out what's up with the sphere. It's always bothered me. Yes, well, that's all resolved. Oh, and also I have some mail I forgot to deliver last time. Here. Oh, wait, how does it get in here anyway? Oh, so that's where these ads come from. I'm a little disappointed, I won't lie. A functioning postal service is a magic all its own. It looks like this is a deep-fried thought imprint from Impervian the Imprecise and Flora Bunnyhop, who were voted to go on a rivalry date together last episode. It's postmarked from the Big Wiz State Fair, where it seems they went for their traitor traits. Uh, would it be impolite if I listen to this now? Knock yourself out. Oh, these deep-fried imprints always go straight to my hips. But you know what? I'm worth it. Hum. I have to admit, I was a bit nervous going into it. I've been on a fair number of these rivalry dates over the past few months, and what I've found is most of the time we just end up getting along too well. Like, obviously it's important to have easygoing banter with your rival. How else are you going to quip at each other while fighting? But these past few dates have been too easygoing. They just turn into chill hangouts with friends. That's not what I'm looking for. This is why it's so difficult to find a rival. It's all about striking a balance. It's no fun if you're just mean to each other. There has to be a spark there. Something for the shippers to lash onto, you know? But too much spark, and it's not even a rivalry anymore. But you never know who's going to be the one, so it always pays to make the best impression you can. I showed up dressed to the nines. And let me tell you, it was not comfortable. Even with very thin fabric, nine robes are a lot. And nine hats make it very difficult to go through doors. But, personally, I think it makes me look dangerous. I was definitely nervous going in. I dressed as intimidating as I could. The best I could do was a black cloak with silver stars on it. Unfortunately, because I live in Doom, the stars also had smiling anime faces on them. So immediately, I was skeptical, posing and formidable they could really be. But then they pulled this magic mirror out of their robe, and they said, they brought me a gift. Now that, that's truly diabolical. I didn't bring a gift. Now they immediately have me at an advantage. I figured classic evil, so I did a magic mirror, and... It was supposed to give him negative comments that made him really feel bad about himself. Unfortunately, of course, this managed to go completely wrong. And the second he took the mirror out, it was just like, you know, if you fixed your hair a little bit on the left, you could look even more evil. 
Which, thanks, Mirror, that's not what I made you to do. A mirror that helps you see your blind spots objectively and improve your appearance? Hot frogs, that's a good gift. Now I'm completely off my guard. I needed to regain my footing, show Flora that I, too, was a force to be reckoned with. So, the date did not get off to a great start, but we went to play a game. We were at the Big Wiz, which is like our state fair, so we went to play the Smack-A-Gnome game, where you hit the gnomes in the little holes. The first round we tied, which I mean good, I guess we were pretty evenly matched, that seems right for a rival. Uh, but it's frustrating because, you know, you really want to win. You want to clear winner and loser. So we played a second round, and I decided to cheat because how evil is that? I'm sure I could have taken Flora in a fair game of smack But just to really rub it in, I decided to cheat. On their turn, I enchanted the gnomes to give them little crossbows so they would shoot Flora in the face. So his turn, I tried to transform the gnomes into basilisks. We ended up with Basset Hounds, and they were licking everyone and everything, so Basset Licks. That that was what I got. I have a new familiar now, so that's a thing I got out of this state. A drooling dog. Their droopy ears are really cute. <sighs> Why is everything cute? So we had to call that game a draw. I have to say... At this point, I'm starting to get a little intimidated by Flora. In a good way. I knew I needed to step up my game if I wanted them to see me as a worthy adversary, though. Flora suggested a ride next. The Tunnel of Hate. This one was put in at the Wizard Fair specifically for rivalry dates, so it seemed like a shame not to just try it out. Just like in A Tunnel of Love, we got in this little swan-shaped boat together. Only this time, the swans were enchanted to be like real swans. Because fake swans are romantic to look at, but anyone who's spent time around real swans knows they are assholes. So, with these swan heads that are hissing and snapping and through all these challenges that are meant to intensify our disdain for one another, eventually we end up at an Ikea trying to pick out a furniture set together while the smell of burnt popcorn wafts through the air and kids' bop covers are blasting at full volume. A truly inspired, diabolical design. We went to the Tunnel of Hate next, and that I had never been on before, but I knew about it, so I knew about the designing furniture thing. I decided to design a super evil table that could, like, chase him, and... I have to say, the smell of burnt popcorn in there really did help fuel my evil design inspirations. And I came up with a very monstrous table. I noticed Flora was enchanting the IKEA tables they were assembling to attack me, and I realized they had given me the perfect opportunity to turn the tables on them. So I did. It was hilarious. The tables chased them all the way out of the tunnel. They didn't even wait for the swan boat. I ran out of there with a basset hound peeing on my star cloak, so... I took the boat the last bit of the way and met them outside. They did not look happy. The good thing about that is that the star cloak is at least ten points higher on the evil scale now that it's covered in dog pee. It smells just awful. We went to the friary next because we were hungry, so we deep fried some things because deep frying's clearly the most evil thing you can do to food. I started off simply with my favorite, a deep fried pickle. 
Flora one-upped me with deep-fried jelly beans. Definitely grosser than the pickle. I knew I had to pick up the pace, so I ordered a deep-fried griffin beak. Truly disgusting. Started out normal, pickles, jelly beans, moved up a little, griffin beak. I fried one of his hats. Didn't matter, he had like eight more. But finally, we got serious. That was when Flora whipped the top hat off of my head. I mean, top hat is in the hat that was on top of the other eight hats. Obviously, it was a regular wizard hat, not a top hat. That would be ridiculous. Anyway, they whipped it off my head, gave it to the friar, and said, Fry this. It was... I dare say it was dastardly. I should have said something like, If you can't think of anything better to fry, I'll eat my hat. But I was just too shaken to come up with the obvious quip. Then... I had a flash of inspiration and realized what I had to do. He deep fried the mirror, which is very impressive because eating glass is (laughs) horrifying, but also good because he doesn't need a mirror telling him how to be more evil. He can be evil enough without that, and I don't need to help him with that. Oh, it tasted so gross. Oh, but Flora was in rare form. They went back to the exit of the Tunnel of Hate, where the swan boats were waiting to be returned to the other side. They picked up one of the boats over their head and dropped it in the fryer. I deep-fried the swan boat from the Tunnel of Hate. That was amazing. I've never seen something so gross in my entire life. Oh, the hissing and screaming as that two-headed asshole swan got fried. And it was quite delicious, actually. Tasted like one of those big turkey legs so much oil and batter it tried to bite us the whole time it was being deep fried real chaos exactly what i came for so i'd say yeah the the date ended on a high note on the whole i'm feeling optimistic about this rivalry flora does seem capable of genuine mischief and i can't deny they have a certain villainous charisma about them a basset hound puppy is not the most traditional familiar but it's distinctive give them that, and certainly very different from imps. I don't know if they found me intimidating at all. I hope they did. It certainly wasn't a chill hang. I may visit Doom and see what sort of scheming Flora is up to, and if there's a good way for me to foil it. I feel like the ball is kind of in my court on that one. He seemed to agree. We got worst enemies forever bracelets, and then I got to whirl away in a puff of smoke, which I've never done before. I was like... You haven't seen the last of me. And then, poof, I was gone. Very intimidating. So I think that went well. Flora gave a very impressive, You haven't seen the last of me! Then swirled their cloak menacingly. But, I have to say, the effect was kind of ruined when they vanished in a puff of glitter and cartoon hearts. Would I do it again? Yeah, definitely. I think Impervion is a terrible influence on me, and that's exactly what I wanted. I just hope he feels the same way. What a delicious date! And sounds like you'll be shoving one another into bottomless chasms in no time. Oh, I do love it when things work out. I wonder what happened to those sentient tables. Well, if they were anything like some other sentient furniture I've known, they were relevant once and then swiftly forgotten about, only to be referenced when no one really remembers them. No, of course I wasn't talking about you. I was! Yeah, obviously. Okay, okay, message received. I'll get moving along with our next personal ad. This one showed up... I I guess it was uh, delivered, actually. Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, yes, thank, thank you. It was delivered to my sphere by... Uh, I'm sorry, what is your name anyway? It's Postocles. Uh, Postocles delivered this next ad, which came inside of a delightful human skull. I thought that maybe this was a novelty hot sauce, so I tried prying open the jaws to spice up my dinner. But instead, it started chattering away and ate my whole meal by itself. It didn't even need to. It's just supposed to convey the ad. So why did it eat my dinner? And where did it go? There's no stomach. No, no, none of this adds up. But I won't be getting any answers anytime soon. So in the meantime, if you're looking for a collaborator, you could do worse than Clatalon, the gilded wizard of bindings, who sent in this mysterious and infuriating skull. Hi, wizard-seeking wizard. I'm a long-time listener, first-time astral thoughtcaster. I'm Cladalon, the gilded wizard of bindings, dean and archmage of a certain snowbound magical college that, for mystically binding legal reasons, will remain nameless. My work is my life, really. I'm the department chair of the Postmortem Communication and Osteological Studies and professor of unethically applied archaeology. In my spare time, I enjoy mountain climbing, collecting books, and I think I'm supposed to be some kind of predestined dragon-slaying hero, but honestly, who has the time for that? Family's very important to me, which is why I built one, mostly out of spare parts. Like my coffee mug says, you don't have to be handy with a bone saw to be a necromancer, but it helps. <laughs> we like to have fun here. Anyway, my family is a bit unusual. Hi, Dad! Yes, hi, Bonetholomew. So as I was saying, my pride and joy is my clutch of skeleton sons. Hey, Dad! Yes, Sam Skull, hello. They're very sweet boys and so curious. A few of them have even started learning magic. We're all very proud. Sorry, Dad. It's okay. Tibio, Medicarl, gather up your brother. We'll put him back together when Daddy's done with his personal ad. Okay, Dad. Sorry. So as you can hear, they're very sweet boys, but they are just a handful. What I really need is a partner. A co-parent for my many bone sons. I just need time to focus on my work, you know? Did you know that if you have more than five immolation events in a calendar year, your insurance goes up 12%? Uh, I sure didn't. And I still haven't converted the library to the Huey Hexamal system. I am just at my wits' end between grading papers and managing the shenanigans of my favorite mismatched study group of misfits and writing students next of kin. The back stairway needs exercising. Lecture Hall C hasn't been decontaminated since the Professor Horbutt incident, and I need help to get a live skeever out of my office. Hi, Dad. Scabbers Big John, Dad. And they named the Skeever Scabbers. They love Harry Potter. Camistro, listeners, please help me. I need someone who's sensitive to the needs of modern education and has a grasp of adolescent parroting and is handy with a bit of wire. Sorry, Dad. I'm not getting my safety deposit back. Ah, college. I remember one time, me and my pal Trisfatot the Teeny Tiny set up our dean, old Dean Gardlewiz, on a blind date. We plotted and planned for weeks to get him to let us set him up. And when the two of them met, it turned out that his date was our school mascot, Griffy the Griffin. Oh, what a laugh we had. 
But uh, it turns out griffins are sentient. And old Griffy thought the dean was quite the charmer. The rest of that semester was a whirlwind romance between the two of them. They ended up getting hitched, you know. Used to send me a card every whizmiss. Five incredibly ugly kids. And that blind date was when I realized that I wanted to study relationship magic. As I watched Griffy and Dean Gardlewiz furiously make out, lip on beak, I realized that that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You wanted to spend your life watching a Griffin and a Dean kiss? No. Well, m- maybe a little. But more than that, I wanted to help wizards find each other. I set out to study relationship magic the very next year. What did you study in wizard school, Postacles? Oh, I'm not great at magic. I just know the spell for this pressure suit. Really? Then what about the cue cards? They were a gift. Huh. Okay, then. Well, this next ad is from THE Merrigan the Transfigurer, which, let me tell you, is quite the get. Or, it's supposed to be. It kind of seems like it's just a big box full of shredded paper. I think he may have forgotten to include his ad in there. Oh, I've seen this before. It's a transfigogram. Oh, what? It's an obscure type of wizard mail. We got trained on it at the Postal Academy. Uh, Stick your hand in there. Like this? Whoa! Cool, right? It's reassembled itself into a folded-up gramophone. Why, it even has a little paper record. How charming. Why doesn't everyone use these? It tends to blow out plosives. And it's really expensive. But I think it's worth it, personally. I can see why. Well, let's drop this little paper needle and give it a listen. It is I, Merigund the Transfigurer. As many of you know, I am the most powerful wizard of transformation in the world. I can turn dogs into cats, a blizzard into sunshine, stones into Swiss cheese. You may remember the time I turned the Statue of Liberty into a dragon and rode it to the moon. I am in need of an apprentice so that I can pass on my wisdom. No, I'm not afraid of passing on. I'm only 342 years old after all. I... Well, this is embarrassing, but I need some help. I was wandering through my castle of material transformations and thought I spotted an intruder. I cast a transfiguration spell, but the figure was just a mirror, and it all backfired, and long story short, I am a vase of sunflowers now. Just a blue and white striped vase with three sunflowers in it. I'm very pretty, and I match the decor, but alas, I really need to get back to transfiguring. I can't, though, as I have no hands to hold my wizard staff for the magic. I'm stuck like this until someone changes me back. So I'm looking for an apprentice that I can teach magical transfiguring so that they can be as powerful as me. Powerful enough to reverse my very powerful magic. And I need to get it right and train you well, because, oof, when you screw up transfiguring on another wizard, things can get real ugly real fast. So if you've already learned basic transfiguring and are willing to learn from the best of the best, come over to my castle of material transformations for a few months or years, I don't know, and we'll start your training. Please help. Oh, and by the way, 
I've gotten really into bees ever since I became a vase of three sunflowers. So if you've got any bees I could meet, that would be great too. I'm going to say it up front. I just really want to be pollinated by a bee. Okay, thank you. Now my goblin assistant will turn off this recording. Goblin, click the top button on the recorder. Stop. No, the one with the square. The square with four sides. The middle button. Yes, there. Merricant, it sounds like you've had quite the active life. Maybe being a pot of flowers is just what you need right now. A little rest, a little relaxation, a lot of attention from local pollinators. Go on, you've earned yourself a botanical sabbatical. Lots of wizards take some time to find themselves in another form. I myself spent a few years as a kick-ass motorcycle. Rode some races, did some sick jumps, helped a father reconnect with his son on a cross-country road trip. You know, motorcycle stuff. Sometimes I drink a little gasoline when I'm feeling nostalgic. Simpler times. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Wizard Seeking Wizard. Don't forget, all of you out there, to vote for which wizards you heard today should date one another. You can find us on Twitter at wiz wiz There. Now that that's out of the way, you and I can finally get down to having a long, in-depth conversation, Postocles. Tell me all about yourself. I'd love to, but I'm already pretty behind schedule. I should get going. What? No. There was time now. There was time to talk. Sorry. Lots of mail to deliver. Bye. What? What? Oh, they're gone. I never even asked if they had the hot sauce I wanted. (sighs) Looks like it's you and me again, Cupid. Maybe I'll see if the chair wants to play checkers again. Wait, hold on. If Postocles has mail, they have to get it from somewhere. And if there's a way in... There's a way out! Fine, you win. But I'm pretty sure you ate some of my pieces. Thank you for listening to Wizard Seeking Wizard. This is a community project made to give people something fun to do during our long isolations. All wizards were written and performed by the person portraying them. In this episode, Bebek Gurung was Mashpu the formerly Shifty. You can find him on Twitter at Ilbebek. Mark Camposano was Merigan the Transfigurer. Mark has no public social media presence, which is a shame because he's very funny. He thinks you should all watch the various content on twitch.tv slash 2mbstudios and twitch.tv slash messinfinesse. Aiden Kedzierski was Minifestina Rivenwobble. Aiden also has no Twitter presence that she wants represented, but she does want to tell you to listen to Hey Riddle Riddle, which is a comedy riddle podcast. David Fui was Cladalon, the Gilded Wizard of Bindings. When live performance is a thing, he performs in Improvised History and Junebug, an improvised Firefly tribute in Boston. And if we ever get to have live performances again, you can see him perform at the Democracy Center in Cambridge. I played his Skelesons, in case you were wondering. Julia Rios was Flora Bunnyhop. Julia also makes the podcast This Is Why We're Like This, where she and her co-host Jeff watch and unpack a movie from their guest's childhood to explain why they are the way they are. 
You can find Julia on Twitter at thisiswhy underscore pod. Nathan Comstock was Impervian the Imprecise. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan A. Comstock. He also writes and performs in the audio drama Solutions to Problems, an intergalactic relationship advice show slash sci-fi sitcom. You can find them on Twitter at STP underscore podcast. Our theme song was written and performed by Mess and Finesse Studios in Somerville. You can find them on Twitter at Mess plus Finesse. Our logo was designed by Julie Benbisset. You can find her on Instagram at T underscore four underscore JBass or on Twitter at art underscore of underscore JBass. That's J-B-A-S-S. I'm Max Kreisky, and I play Chemistro the Match Mage. I also did the sound design as well as the sound design for the wizard ads. If you've been enjoying Wizard Seeking Wizard and want to help make the show sustainable, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash whizforwiz. Thank you again. We'll see you next time here on Wizard Seeking Wizard.